Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. One of the things, if you're newer to us as a church, about midweek, uh, which we do once a month, is it gives us the opportunity to kind of say some stuff uh, that maybe we wouldn't do on a Sunday. Um, <laughs> Not like, don't get too excited. It's not like, you know, but just some stuff that we talk a little bit about kind of the mechanics of church and what we think God is saying to us. And we're so focused on weekends of reaching people who don't know Jesus as well as, you know, speaking into those of us that do that, that sometimes we don't always get the opportunity to address some of those kind of issues. And that's kind of what I want to talk a little bit about tonight. And I promise it won't be all that long. Uh, But I want to talk about the power of momentum I want to talk about the power of momentum. And I don't know whether you uh, know what momentum is. The dictionary says that the, quali- the quantity of motion of a moving body measured as a product of its mass and velocity is the impetus gained by a moving object. The momentum equation is M equals M times V. It's mass times velocity. In other words, the greater the mass, the faster the speed, the more the momentum. And um, momentum is a moving force that overcomes resistance. And I want you to think about it because actually there's momentum in all kinds of things. Thoughts have momentum, don't they? When you get some thoughts and they grow and they gather speed, they have momentum. Good or bad, they take you somewhere, don't they? Uh, Behaviours have momentum, good or bad. The more that they are, the faster that they move, they take you somewhere and you can end up in a place where you never thought you'd end up. That's momentum. That you've, you've behaved a certain way and that those behaviours have got bigger and bigger, faster and faster. And before you know where you are, you're in a place you never dreamed you would be. It's the same with relationships. They have momentum. Attitudes have momentum. And it's like sometimes in life, isn't it true that everything is working well and you've got momentum? Anyone know that? And sometimes in life, it's the opposite, isn't it? And it's like it never rains, but it pours. And it's almost like all these things are building up and building up and the mass is getting bigger and the velocity is getting bigger and the momentum is getting bigger. But what about spiritual momentum? What about spiritual momentum? When David is running down the hill towards Goliath, there's momentum there. What is about to happen when he takes down the giant is not only going to change the nation, it's going to change the world. There's momentum in that moment spiritually. When Jonah is preaching to Nineveh, he didn't want to preach to Nineveh. He didn't like the Ninevites. But when he preached, they responded in such a way spiritually that there was momentum and that whole city came to faith in Jesus. When John the Baptist was in the desert and he was baptising one after one, soon one after one became two after two, became 10 after 10, became a crowd. There was momentum. When, when the early church on the day of Pentecost You know, Jesus told them as as he died, as he ascended, as he rose again, as he ascended to heaven, wait in Jerusalem for the gift and the Father has promised, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and on that day, 3,000 were added to the church. There was momentum. There was momentum. But sometimes there's not momentum spiritually as well. And in fact, this is one of my favourite little stories. I come back to it time and time again. Just a few little verses in the book of John. uh, and, And it says that, 
this is Jesus. Again, his Jewish opponents in John 10, 31 to 33, and then 40, well, 40 to 42. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. So in other words, I'm doing miracles and you're picking up stones and stoning me. We're not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And then it goes on to say this in verse 40. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptising in the early days. So he's in a place, okay, and it's Jesus is exactly the same, but there's something in that place and in that atmosphere where there's no spiritual momentum. He's doing miracles and some, some stuff, but they're stoning him or trying to stone him. So he crosses over the Jordan to the place where John was. And then it says this, There he stayed and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And these are the great words. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. So in this place, they don't believe in Jesus, but in this place, many do. Why? Because there's spiritual momentum. There's something about the atmosphere that's different in that place. And my prayer for us as a church is that we would be that place, right? Where many come to believe in Jesus. Where many signs and wonders happen. We, we have a longing to see God heal more people, don't we? We have a real longing for that. That's why we keep getting that big bowl out and putting the prayers in. And we'll keep doing that until, until God tells us not to do it. But we want to be in that place where the spiritual momentum where there's movement of the Spirit of God, where there's people coming into faith with Him and people seeing breakthrough and, and marriages being restored and, and addictions being broken. And I loved what Cathy said on Sunday, not just where we're tweaked by grace, but where we're transformed by grace. Not just where our chains are loosened, but our chains are broken. That's spiritual momentum. If we are hungry for momentum, I believe we could see it. You know, last year was an amazing year for us. It was a record-breaking year. It was record-breaking attendance in youth and kids in uh, last year, 2023. Record-breaking uh, baptism. We baptised 52 people in a year, which was great. Uh, and you know, if you get enough good moments, you can get some momentum. The more good moments come, those good moments build momentum. But how do we make sure that last year wasn't just a year of history, but actually is a, is a year that's building towards greater momentum. And actually, as I then wrote this, I realised yesterday that Sunday just gone was our record-breaking youth and kids on a Sunday morning ever. Two of you were excited about that. Two of you were excited. So, so we were saying last year was record-breaking for youth and kids, and then Sunday that record was broken. Now, it's not all about numbers. But it is in one sense, because all of those numbers are children and young people that matter to Jesus, right? So that's why we count numbers. That's why there's a book in the Bible called Numbers. That's why somebody counted 3,000 people that became Christians on the day of Pentecost. Numbers are important because they're about people. But what I want to share with you just for a few minutes is some momentum busters and some momentum builders. And I want to say this because we are in a very, very important and exciting season as a church. And I want to get into that. We've got a vision gathering coming up in the middle of March where we're going to open this up much more. We've got a leaders gathering in the middle of February where we're going to open this up much more. Um, but I just want to throw a few things out there. There are some momentum busters and you and I have all got to take responsibility for this. When you say, oh, it's a church issue, guys, we are the church. So these are all relevant to you and to me. So momentum muster number one is apathy. 
Apathy. When there's apathy in our life, very soon that momentum starts to go. It really does. And um, one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible is in the book of Judges where it says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he'd done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the other gods. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors. In other words, there, there was like a whole generation grew up who became apathetic. And apathy is a spiritual killer. You wonder why you don't feel spiritually alive? Look to apathy. As soon as there's apathy in our life, it's a spiritual momentum buster. It really is. And I remember years ago, and this is still so true, a really uh, um, great man of God is in heaven now. And he said this, and this was in the day when, some of you will remember this, when there were loads of Christian conferences and there were loads of Christian CDs. Do you remember CDs? Who remembers cassettes? Come on. And there were all these resources. And he said this, we've never had more books. We've never had more conferences. We've never had more resources. And he said this, we've never been so over-resourced and so under-motivated. And I've never forgotten that. And I think, and that's so true. Now, in fact, we are so over-over-resourced now, aren't we? Compared to when that was said. And yet, we, if we're under-motivated, apathy is a spiritual, spiritual killer. Number two, complacency. And again, it's kind of linked to where you just get complacent. You know, all you have to do to drift in life is nothing. If you do nothing, you will naturally drift. A marriage that doesn't invest in itself will eventually drift. A relationship, a friendship will eventually drift. You don't have to, if you do nothing, then you'll just drift. That's all you have to do. It's the same in our relationship with Jesus when we forget the why of, of who we are and, and, and of what Jesus has done for our life, we get complacent. You know, I am so glad that this church has very rarely been complacent. In fact, I want to do a little bit of a quick history lesson for some of you. This church began in 1979, which means that this year is our 45th anniversary. How exciting is that? And we will be celebrating that in October for that weekend. We'll give you those dates coming up. Uh, okay. But you know, it began in 1979 with a small group. In fact, one woman that prayed that God would start a church, a vibrant church here in Hal Zoe. Small bunch of people gathered around. In fact, there's one lady who is still part of the church that was a teenager in that first group 45 years ago, which is amazing. And um, in 1979, it started. Then in 1981, moved into the first building, which was called the Little Zion. We used to be called Zion. It's an old Methodist chapel on the Starbridge Road. And then they grew. And then they moved into the building next door, uh, the old Web Ivory factory where we've just sold the front bit, but where we still own the back. And then they grew. Uh, and then they kept growing. And they never got complacent. And they never said, you, several times, the rooms were full. But they never said, when the room's full, we're good. When the room's full and it feels great for us, we're good. They never did that. And I'm so glad they never did, because if they had done that, maybe some of us wouldn't have been here today. But because they kept growing, the spiritual momentum kept going as well. Because complacency means you settle for comfort, or you settle for success, or you settle for just where you are. And we don't want to be a people that just settle. We don't want to be driven in that sense, but we do want to be compelled by the love of God. And complacency is such a killer. The third one is mindset. Some of the biggest battles you and I will ever face are in our mind, right? And I'll come on to where we are as a church in a moment. 
But I want to talk a little bit about some momentum builders, okay? What builds a momentum? And the first one is hunger. Hunger is so, so important. It's amazing what you do when you're hungry, right? Come on, be honest with each other. Come on, it's amazing what you do when you're hungry. Some of our staff get not just hungry, they get hangry, okay? I know in the meeting when I, we need to stop because certain characters, they will remain nameless, but they are scousers. No, they're not. They're not they're, they're, there's others as well. There's others as well. And, and they need some food because when you're hungry, it drives you, doesn't it? I, I mean, I don't, know where, how, I don't know how you would finish this sentence. I'm so hungry, I could eat a... <laughs> what was that? A horse. I've heard all the kinds of, where well, this is a black country thing, I could eat a scabby donkey. I've heard that one. Is that just, is that just me? I don't know. Is that, maybe it's a northern one, mate. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm so hungry I could. In other words, there's like hunger pushes you to go beyond where you'd go, right? The reality is most of us in this room, most of us online have never been that hungry that we go to those lens. But when you're spiritually hungry, you'll go for it. When you're spiritually hungry, you will go for it. One of the classic um, lines in churches like ours and like all churches all around the world. And I, I've just come back from London today with a whole load of church leaders. Uh, and, and we all laugh about this because every church in the world has people that say these words, I'm just not getting fed. I'm just not getting fed. And some of the people that say that are in the churches with the best Bible teachers on the planet. You're not getting fed. Often is an issue of hunger not an issue of feeding. Because if you're hungry enough, you'll find food. If you're hungry enough, it will drive you, it will push you to that spiritual momentum. Hunger is incredibly important. And we're at the place now, guys, where, where we're a church that's connecting with around about a thousand people now. And in some ways, we're still kind of acting like we're a church of around about 500 people. And we can't keep doing that. And one of the shifts that we're going to have to make is from being a church that does things to you to be a church that provides things for you. But actually, spiritual hunger is not my responsibility for you. It's your responsibility for you. My spiritual hunger is not your responsibility. It's my responsibility. So we're going to have to make some shifts as we go into this new era because we want to reach more people for Jesus, don't we? And that's going to mean we need to change some things. One of the things that happened over Christmas was that I had uh, several emails from other church leaders. I'm being really honest with you tonight. I'm tired, so you might get anything tonight, okay? Um, it's always a little bit scary um, when I'm a little tired or off script. And I had three emails from church leaders I didn't know criticising us for, the way, for our lack of care to people in our church, people that they knew that weren't being cared for, etc., etc. Now, whenever I get criticism like that, Immediately, you're a little bit hurt, a little bit wounded, a little bit defensive. But then I said to, to the team, hey, let's listen to this. Let, let, let's, let's let that hit us. If it's three different people, let's let that hit us. And, and God, what do you want to say in that? And, and there's some stuff that we need to do differently, for, for real. But there's also a reality check that we need to come to that we're a bigger church now. And so I had some people in the church that said to me, oh, I've, I've gone and seen so-and-so in hospital. Now the church needs to go and see them. And so I want to say, and who are you? You're the church, aren't you? I cannot go and see everybody who's in trouble. Neither can Sandra, neither can any of us as staff. 
We love people so much, but we cannot do that. We cannot operate like that. We have to shift that locus of control away from us to us. Does that make sense? So we want to be that church that actually is loving and supportive. And when we grow bigger, it has to be in a different way. Does that make sense? And spiritual hunger is what we all need to have. And if we're all hungry, it will drive us to do the things that Jesus wants us to do. I think the second thing is movement. The second thing is movement. Spiritual builder is movement. Now, there's two two schools of thought here. Moses said, unless your presence goes with us, we're not going to move. But Jesus says, go and I'll be with you. So there's two kind of schools of thoughts here and both are true. Okay, but I think there's something about movement that creates momentum. There's something about movement that creates momentum. You see, I don't know whether you know that, I've used this before, that when you come from Pedmore uh, on, on the Dual Carriageway and you're going to turn left up, up, up the Hagley Hill, those of you will know that, crossroads there if you've ever been there, it's red light and there's a little green that goes left and so many people don't see the green and so many people get impatient and I do that as well and then I'm the person that doesn't see the green. I remember being at that junction once uh, and I, I think I said to the person in front, like under my breath type of thing, how green do you want the light to be? It's almost like God said to me, and that's the tr- so for you, true for you as well. How green do you want the light to be? Movement creates momentum. And I would much rather be uh, someone in a church that is moving and, and, and seeing that momentum come than a church that's static. Abraham went from where he was, didn't know where he was going. Paul just went to go into Bithynia and was stopped by the hand of the Lord and then went into somewhere else. But, but God can direct us easier if we're moving than if we're static. And so this year we're going to be moving, all right? This year we're going to be moving. We're going to be trying some things. We've tried some things multi-site. Some things didn't work. Some things have worked. We're going to try some things again. We're going to keep moving. And we're going to say, God, we're moving because we want to see some momentum. Because we want to see people find and follow Jesus. It's so, so important. And then, and then the third one, and, and there's, there's just four, is faith. Faith is such a spiritual momentum builder. And somebody once said years and years ago, you can spell faith, R-I-S-K. In other words, you've got to take a risk. And faith is kind of an activator for that. Apple, Apple said, you know, not the Bible, but Apple said the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world usually do. We come in that category of people who are a little bit crazy and we think that we could maybe change the world. Not because of us, but because of him, right? And so that means we're crazy enough to believe that expressions of church community in different villages could reach some people that we're not currently reaching. We're crazy enough to think that we could see a move of God amongst the younger generations that eclipses anything we've ever seen before. That we could see hundreds and hundreds of kids and young people meet Jesus and make a difference in their communities. We're crazy enough to believe that. We're crazy enough to believe that we could become a church that is generally multiracial, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, as well as being multi-site where black and white live together and love one another and celebrate one another's differences and beauty and variety and creativity and that that could be a prophetic model to our world. We're crazy enough to believe that. That's going to take some faith. Not my faith, but our faith together and collectively. We're crazy enough to believe that you could change your world because of Jesus living in you. We're crazy enough to believe that. We really are. You see, momentum is inspired by vision, activated by faith, supported by systems and sustained by grit. 
And there's a whole preach in that, which I haven't got time for. So faith is so important. And finally, I want to, I want to land with this one, oneness. And I'm not saying unity, unity is important, but Jesus didn't just pray for unity. Jesus prayed that they would be one. And that's a whole different level. Unity is one thing, but oneness is a whole different level. And you see, there's something about oneness that brings momentum. One of the uh, early stories in the, in the, in the Genesis story, uh, and the story of the beginning of the world and how um, you know, God kind of began that story is in Genesis chapter 11 when a group of people uh, started forming or building a tower, which we call the Tower of Babel. Now they were building this Tower of Babel because they wanted to reach up to heaven and to become like God. Okay, so it wasn't a good thing. But even so, God saw the power of oneness, of unity together and of momentum. And it says this, the Lord said, if as one people speak in the same language, they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. If one people speak in the same language, acting together as one, that momentum, that mass times velocity is going to be so powerful. It's going to be momentum that overcomes resistance and that builds something amazing. And God needed to stop that, okay? But it's the power of the momentum and the oneness that He was seeing right there. You see, oneness is where we act and believe and behave rather as one where we lock horns rather than, where we lock our shields rather than lock our horns. You know that? We're actually, we've got each other's back. We're not just pointing. We're not sticking a knife in each other's back. We've got each other's back. That's oneness. Oneness is where we don't agree with everything, but we're one. But we're acting as one, even if we have different opinions. Oneness is where we refuse to let gaps come between us. As we grow bigger, guys, as we reach more people, there will be gaps. There will be little cracks. There will be things that come. We get to choose what we put in the gaps and the cracks. Whether we put suspicion or mistrust or whether we put grace. Whether we believe the best or whether we believe the worst. So I want to, as we come into land, and guys, we'll, we'll, we'll start. Thank you. I, I want to ask you, who's hungry for some momentum? Who's hungry for some momentum? I know I am. Why don't we stand if you're able? And guys, if you're at home, don't switch off right now. Lean in a little bit if you're connecting with us online. And, and who's hungry for momentum? We've got a bit of time left at the end. And I'd just love to pray and to see if God wants to touch any of our lives and speak into our lives. But, you know, before we kind of think about the church, let's think about our own spiritual momentum. You know, are, are there some things in my life, some apathy, some complacency, some mindsets, maybe some of those thoughts that have gathered pace and God, maybe even tonight we want to just maybe repent. It's an old word, but repent just means turn around, go in a different direction. Say, God, I'm sorry. I want to put that down. I want to put the apathy down. God, forgive me for becoming complacent. Forgive me for the mindset that has come in my mind. So maybe let's just close our eyes for a minute. And if that's you and you say, hey, I, I, I need some spiritual momentum. Maybe, maybe there are other things, maybe hurt, has, has busted that spiritual momentum in your life. Maybe disappointment, maybe sin. Some of us are, you know, we're surprised that we don't feel spiritually alive and yet we know there's stuff in our life that's not right. Those two things just don't exist together. We've got to let those things go if we want to see the spiritual momentum come. So let's just take a moment. Just take a moment and say, Lord, 
Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for allowing that apathy to take control, that complacency to take root, that mindset to stay fixed. God, for that hurt, that disappointment, that sin, Jesus, that reaction, that attitude, Lord, God, forgive me and God, would you cleanse me again? Would you, would you, would you set me free from that? Don't just tweak me, Lord, transform me. Don't just rattle and loosen the chains, Lord. Break them in Jesus' Name. And Lord, would you help us as people to, to be people that are hungry for you, that are people who move for you, that people who have faith and that operate as one. And God, when we put those things in place, when we take responsibility for those things, God, may we be a part of a move of God that we've never experienced before. God, I want to see a move of God that I have never experienced before. Jesus, would You do it? Holy Spirit, we invite You, we welcome You. God, come and do what only You can do in our place. God, we pray. God, God, God just come with me and if you can, just start to raise your voice and we start to pray. God, come, Lord, we pray for our young people. We pray for our teenagers. We pray for our children. Jesus, we pray for a move of God amongst them, Lord God. We pray for them in their schools and their colleges and their universities. Jesus, we pray. We thank You for what You are doing. But God, we don't just want to see them, um, you know, getting excited in church. We want to see them changing their world for You. God, would You do that, we pray. Jesus, for our sights, we pray for Clibbery today. We thank You for all the amazing things they're doing, the alphas that they've got running at the moment, new people coming into to the Sunday session there, finding You, asking questions. Lord, we pray for Hagley as it relaunches now and we pray, God, every time they gather that there'd be a sense of Your Spirit. I pray for every person that goes there that they would know that they're a, they're a momentum carrier potentially. We pray for Bromsgrove today. Jesus, we know there's so much more You want to do in that amazing town. And God, we pray for Hal Zoe. God, we thank You for all that You're doing, but God, we long to see more. We're not a big church while there's 60,000 people out there who don't know You. We're really not. We've got so much to do. And Jesus, we pray that You would help us to be those that are people that carry spiritual momentum. And that we, Lord, we take that responsibility Lord, that mass times velocity. And God, may we play our part in that. And each and every one of us that plays a part will increase the mass. It will increase the velocity. It will increase the momentum of Your Kingdom. And so Jesus, we just ask for Your presence now. And Lord, we pray that all of this is about You. It's not about Life Central Church. It's not about me. It's not about any of us. It's all about You. We want to see, we're hungry to see Jesus lifted high. We're hungry to see Jesus speak truth over our communities, over people's lives. Yours is the name that is power. Yours is the name that is healing. Yours is the name that we lift above every other name. So Lord, now as we cry out to You in worship, God, would You come by Your Spirit? And God, would You birth something I believe new and fresh in our lives in this season. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen.